Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the house of the Lord. It is such a blessing to be able to be here together and uh, to join with those who are online as well. And I know Angela's watching from online. So we just want to say a hi to Angela, who is back up north seeing doctors. And we want her to know that we're holding her in our prayers all this week. Good results. Amen. Amen. We hold all of our dear people in our prayers. And we um, we are just so glad that you're here today. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor, we welcome you, and we want you to know that you're always welcome here. We hope you'll come back and be with us again, because we are a family of faith. Amen? Amen. 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 Nobody's a stranger here. Everybody's welcome. Uh, we are a community, though, that is committed to sharing in hope, sharing in hope living with purpose, for the sake of others. This is the second Sunday of our new series, What is Grace? Last week, Pastor Andy did an awesome job reminding us not only of our need for God's grace due to our sin, but he also reminded us how we receive God's grace. We were reminded that grace is a gift. None of us deserve it, and none of us can earn it. It's a gift from God. We can only receive it or refuse it. And hopefully we'll all receive it. God in Christ offers us the gift of relationship that includes salvation, reconciliation, and eternal life. Salvation from Hebrews 9.28, it is stated this way. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. I love the way that that Merriam-Webster defines salvation. The, The definition there was deliverance from the power and the effects of sin. You know, a lot of times we remember that effects of sin, but we forget that it also, salvation also gives us the power to say no to sin. So that deliverance from the power of sin. Reconciliation is described to us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. Andy reminded us last week that reconciliation means to exchange being enemies into being friends. And that news is too good not to share. Amen? And then eternal life, as described in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I love the words of Jesus, the way he described eternal life in John 17.3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now, that is indeed quite a gift. God's grace, though, is something like a cut diamond with many different facets. 
we dis- we experience and we describe the experience of grace with different words. We use the words prevenient, sometimes referred to as preventing, justifying, and sanctifying. So there's preventing grace or prevenient grace, there's justifying grace, and there's sanctifying grace. Now these words relate to various stages in our spiritual journey. The nature of grace, one grace experienced in different ways, is similar to the mystery of the Trinity, one God in three persons. Within God's grace is both unity and diversity. And today we're going to be exploring exploring God's prevenient or preventing grace. Please join with me as we read our scripture for today. It's from the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to look at the first chapter, verses 4 to 8, and it will be on the screen as well. Hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear most gracious God, this is just, um, your word is, it just strikes at the very core of us. The very core. You knew us before we were even born. So Lord, we just ask, Lord, that we hear your message today. We hear your words. We take them to heart. Lord, open our eyes and our ears. Continue to draw us to you. That we may continue to grow into the likeness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Wow, it is hard to imagine. But not only is God's spirit at work in our lives before we know who God is, but even before we take our first first breath. David reflects on the reality of God at work in his life in Psalm 139, verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And in today's scripture, we hear the same thing as God calls Jeremiah to be his prophet, his spokesperson. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. This is God's prevenient grace. God's spirit at work in us. From the moment we're conceived, revealing God to us and wooing us toward a relationship with him. John Wesley described it in his in this way in his sermon entitled On Working Out Our Salvation. Now his wording, he lived a long time ago, so it's a little different than the way we speak. But I'm going to quote him, so listen closely. There is no man 
unless he has quenched the spirit, which is wholly void of the grace of God. No man living is entirely destitute of what is vulgarly called natural consequence, conscience, excuse me, natural conscience. But this is not natural. It is more properly termed preventing grace. He called it preventing grace. Every man has a greater or lesser measure of this, which waiteth not for the call of man. Sooner or later, good desires, although the generality of men stifle them before they can strike deep root or produce any considerable fruit, everyone has some measure of light, some faint glimmering ray, which sooner or later, more or less, enlivens every man that cometh into the world. And everyone, unless he be one of the small number whose conscience is seared as with a hot iron, feels more or less uneasy when he acts contrary to the light of his own conscience. So that no man sins because he has not grace, but because he does not use the grace which he hath. And that's John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, speaking about prevenient or preventing grace. God's prevenient grace. His prevenient grace, the spirit of God, the light of true life given to us by our creator as we were knit together in our mother's womb. God knows every human being that lives, whether they know him yet or not. And God, in his love, desires to pour the fullness of his grace upon their life. That's salvation, reconciliation, and eternal life. No one, ladies and gentlemen, is beyond God's love. There's hope for all. Maybe that's where some of you are today in need of hearing that you are not beyond the love of God and his desire to be in relationship with you. Or maybe you know someone else who desperately needs to hear that God's hand is extended to them, desiring to be in relationship with them, and that he has been with them all along, waiting for them to respond to his invitation to receive his amazing grace. It's certainly a reminder for those of us who do know God. Our God loves all his children, even those who don't know him yet. Provenient grace also means that God is present with us throughout our lives, living graciously and continuously seeking us and desiring to restore us to that loving relationship for which we were created and seeking to grow us, to continue growing us into the persons that we were created to be. And Jesus showed us what that looked like. The term provenient grace comes from Latin and it means to come before. In theology, it means the grace that becomes before any human decision or endeavor. So provenient grace is at work even when we're not aware of it. 
There are five different ways that we can experience it. We can experience it as God, God's love wooing us like a bridegroom would court his bride. We can experience it as the will of God drawing us to himself. We can experience it as the desire of God pursuing us throughout our lives to bring us back into friendship with him, a love that will never let us go. We can experience it as a gift of God freeing us so that we might have the opportunity to respond to God's offer of a relationship and place our trust in only Jesus Christ. And we could experience it as the activity of God empowering us, giving us spiritual strength when we need it. And Joni mentioned this morning about the beauty of nature. I think we can also experience it as we see the glory of God reflecting to us in nature. The message of the Bible is clear. Human beings were created in God's likeness for a relationship with him, for a relationship with the divine. In the beginning, God created the world, the cosmos, and all things in it. And God saw that it was good. God then created humankind, male and female, in his own image and likeness and declared that they were good. The divine human relationship was deep and meaningful. You might remember from scripture that Adam and Eve walked in the garden with God. Like Adam and Eve, each of us is a unique and beloved child of God. Because God is love, each one of us has the capacity to love and to be loved. Because God is spirit and we're created in his likeness and image, each of us is a spiritual human being, a spiritual being, as far as including being human. And because we were created in the image and likeness of God, the deepest and most essential part of us longs for a relationship with God. As Augustine said in his confessions, our heart will not find rest until they find rest in thee. The bad news of human sin is preceded by the good news of our origin in God. Even when Adam and Eve made wrong choices that cost them their place in the garden, and brought disorder to all of creation, God provided for them. Each of us have made wrong decisions that separate us from God and that diminish our spiritual lives. Yet God also provides for us. His love and his grace are greater than all of our wrong choices. Last week we sang an old hymn, and it had these words. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. So even though we've fallen and we've made wrong choices, God continues to offer us a relationship. Jeremiah 31.3 tells us, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. 
Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. The good news is that God desires a relationship with us even more than we want a relationship with him. And the nature of this relationship that God offers us is that of covenant love. A covenant is the strongest form of relationship identified in the Bible. Throughout the Bible, God's made covenant with his people, Noah, Abraham, Moses, the Israelites, and David. The prophets repeatedly called the Hebrew people back to a genuine relationship of love and obedience to God. They proclaimed God's promise to make a new covenant with the people. Jesus offers us that new covenant and a new relationship with God. It is a relationship of love and grace. It's a divine love. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14 It's a seeking love. And Jesus said to him, Zacharias, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. It's an everlasting love. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Psalm 136. And it is a gift of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, John 3.16. So God is not only the initiator and the source of grace, all grace is prevenient in that it precedes and it enables any movement that we make toward God. God takes the initiative to seek us. That's hard for us because we are those people who like to say, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But if you're here today, it's because God called you to be here today. Don't forget that ever. (laughs) We experience this divine initiative as God's grace. And it's that grace that calls us and draws us to seek him. Provenient grace helps us to overcome our brokenness and our alienation. You might remember the prodigal son story where the son asked his father for his inheritance before he died. And he took it and he blew it away. And then finally he ended up coming back to the father. And you might remember from that story that the father was waiting and looking for him. And he saw him when he was coming down the road. Think about that. This son had been gone for a while, but that father every day was looking for him and waiting for him to come back. And then we we get the response of the father. He runs to his son, throws his arms around him. The son tries to say to him, you know, I'm sorry, father, I've sinned against you. And he doesn't want to hear any part of that. The father says... Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. 
Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. God celebrates when one that was lost comes home. And then the other son. You might remember from that story there are two sons. The other one had stayed there. He'd been faithful. But when the father throws this feast for the one who had gone away and blown all his money, that one didn't want any part because he said, I've been here working. I've been faithful to you. And you're throwing a feast for him? You never did that for me. And the father says to him, my son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. No matter where you are in life, know that God has been working in your life, throughout your life, drawing you to himself. Now you may be wondering, how have I experienced God's, God's provenient grace? How do I see it in my life? Now, there's six different ways that you can experience his provenient grace. We can experience his provenient grace working through the lives, the events of our life, both positive and negative events. The Holy Spirit can speak to our minds and our hearts through our struggles, our frustrations, our difficulties, and our pain, as well as through the blessings of this life. Maybe you have failed to be faithful, to remain faithful to God. Know that he will never give up on you. Allow his brilliant grace to call you back home. Allow his mercy, his grace, and his strength to help you face a different future. One where he leads and guides you. We can experience God's provenient grace through the care and sacrifice of others who embody God's love to us. Our parents, our grandparents, other relatives, friends, people who know and love God and who give of themselves to help us to know the love of God. I always think of my maternal grandmother when I think about those people who showed us the love of God. We can experience God's provenient grace through the body of believers, the church. The church helps us experience God's grace and presence in our life through corporate worship, through prayer, through the sacraments, and through small groups. As we come together and we share our lives with one another, as we seek God together, and as we shoulder one another's burdens, we can actually experience God's presence. We can experience God's provenient grace through the Holy Spirit that awakens our conscience and convicts us that we can never reform ourselves or earn a place in God's family. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This can lead us to accept more of God's grace that will enable us to live as God desires for us to live. We can experience God's provenient grace through the Holy Spirit courting us, never forcing us, 
He never forces us to do anything. He may put a little plant idea in your heart, in your mind. You may say, no, you don't want to do that. And then you'll go about doing stuff your own way. And then that thought will come back. And then you'll go about doing stuff your own way. And then that little thought will come back. But he never forces. It's gentle. Yeah. It's, we have to accept it. Or we can refuse it. But the Holy Spirit works. We can experience God's prevenient grace through, through us to other people. God can work through our words, through our attitudes, yes, attitudes, and actions to help others open their hearts and lives to God's provenient grace. We are really, really blessed as we come to see how God can use us to minister to somebody else. God's provenient grace leads us to a decision point. And some important questions that each one of us have to answer for ourselves. Questions like this. Do I want to experience more of God's goodness? Will I open my heart fully to God and his amazing grace? Am I ready to receive more? Am I ready to be more? Am I ready to move into what God wants for me? In closing, may we remember the words of God from Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14a. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. May we all be brought back from whatever may be holding us captive. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear most gracious God, we thank you that you never give up on us, that you're always calling us and wooing us, wanting us to come back home. And Lord, we just, uh, we pray for all those who've been resisting, that uh, today will be the day when the chains fall down and they start their way back home to you. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.